Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulations. Things don't work the way we want them to work. Jesus was honest with his followers. We don't get a get out of jail free card from all pain and suffering. We have to walk through stuff. This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Have you ever had to push through a painful problem? Jesus said that his followers will have to. In fact, he gives us the example of childbirth, when the mother's pain is replaced with joy when the baby is born. Today, David continues our study of the Gospel of John in a message called, Pushing Through Pain to Joy. Well, I wanna begin today's study with you by quoting the last verse we're going to look at, John 16, where Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulations. Eden Blunt and Rick Jordan and all of us go through difficult, tough times in our lives. It's part of living in a broken world, with broken relationships, in a broken human body. Things don't work the way we want them to work. In this world, you will have tribulations. Jesus was honest with his followers. We don't get a get-out-of-jail-free card from all pain and suffering. We have to walk through stuff. Isaiah 43, 1 through 3 says, Even though you walk through the waters, I'll be with you. Walk through the fires, I'll be with you. And it's just so interesting to me that the prophet Isaiah did not say that if you are with God, he'll helicopter you over the waters and over the fire. No, you've got to walk through them. But today's message of how we're supposed to push through pain to joy. And that is a promise because don't forget the last part of John 16, Jesus did say, in this world you'll have tribulations, no question. But he also said, but rejoice. Go through the pain with joy. Why? Because I have overcome the world. And if we are in Christ, that means we've overcome the world as well. We are more than conquerors through Jesus who loves us, Romans 8, 37. We cannot be victims, folks. We must be victors because the Jesus we loved who went through a cross and could have been a victim and said, oh, look at all those people who nailed me to the cross. It's all their fault. But he didn't. He forgave them and walked in resurrection glory and overcame the problem of all the suffering he went through. Push through the pain to joy. That is today's message. In this world, you'll have tribulations, but rejoice, Jesus said, I have overcome the world. So John 16, verses 16 through 33 is the continuation of the verses beforehand. And last week, in case you've forgotten, Jesus said to his disciples, look, they're going to throw you out of the synagogue by following me. Uh, They're even going to try to kill you by honoring God in their opinion. He laid it out for them, some of the tribulations they would have to walk through. And then he told them, I'm leaving you. And that was probably the sucker punch to their gut. They said, you're going to leave us as well? And it says in John 16, 4, that they were filled with great sorrow. The word means extreme depression. They were just overcome with grief. But then Jesus promised them a presence, a power who would live in them and help them walk through all of their difficulties. Jesus called him the helper. Some translations call him the advocate. Others call him the comforter. He is the Holy Spirit, third person of the Godhead. Notice the Bible doesn't call the Holy Spirit it. The Holy Spirit is a he, a person, the third person of the Godhead. We Christians worship one God in three persons. And Jesus said, I'm going to send, after I ascend to heaven, this Holy Spirit to you, and he will not only walk with you, he'll not only be your advocate against all the accusations of the evil one, but he'll also live in you and give you a strength so that you can do all things through me 
through the power of the Holy Spirit who strengthens you. Now, Jesus continues that whole idea of the disciples having a power in them that will allow them to face any tribulations in these verses that we're going to look at today. Let's begin John 16, verse 16. Jesus says, a little while and you'll see me no longer. Well, how long is that little while? He is ending what's commonly called the upper room discourse here with his disciples and the little while is just a couple of hours. He ends this teaching time with his disciples probably around 10 p.m. in the evening. Then he walks down through the Kidron Valley up to the Mount of Olives where he spends an hour in prayer with Peter, James, and John yawning and sleeping. And he says to them, remember, can't you even stay awake for an hour and pray with me? Uh, the, The Spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. And then after this hour of prayer with the Father where he thought, is there any other way than the cross? Father, that I can go. And the Father said, no, this is my will for you and for all humanity, the cross to take our sins upon you when you die tomorrow as my perfect Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, my perfect Son, and then they can have forgiveness of their sins by grace through faith. No, this is my will for you. And Jesus submitted to the will of the Father and said, not my will, but yours. And how many of us have had to be in situations like that in prayer at different times in our lives, praying fervently for some miracle, some path, and we realize that's where God wants me to go. That's his will. It's not going to be painless, but your will, Father, not mine. And then around midnight, Jesus was arrested. Judas kissing him on the cheek, one of his best and closest friends betraying him, kissing him on the cheek publicly to say to the scribes and the Pharisees and the Jewish guard and the Roman police, this is the guy you need to arrest him, betrayed. And Jesus then at midnight was taken away by the Roman and the Jewish guard. Now, in a little while, Jesus said, you're not going to see me any longer. Uh, The disciples all fled at that moment. Uh, Peter followed at a distance. It looks like John did as well, but none of them were around him personally. And again, a little while, you will see me. Now, what's he talking about? Well, he's going to be arrested and he's going to be killed, nailed to that cross, but three days later. Man, I love this fact, folks, on the third day. Everybody say that with me, on the third day. Or but God. I love that as well. The problem may seem huge, but God has a bigger plan and more power. On the third day, Jesus was raised from the dead. And there were many different resurrection appearances given to us in the gospel accounts. There's a hint that there were even more than were given to us written in these forms. So Jesus said, in a little while, I'll be arrested. I'll be taken away from you. You'll not see me. But then in a little while after that, three days later, you're going to see me again. Again, verse 17, so some of the disciples said to one another, what is this that he says to us? A little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father, that's in reference to last week where Jesus made a clear statement that after he's killed and raised from the dead, he's going back to the Father. At Christmas time, we're celebrating the fact that the Father sent His Son into the world, and now after His death and resurrection, Jesus is returning to the Father, and it is the biblical theological doctrine called the Ascension, where Jesus goes back to the Father, sits at the right hand of the Father, and rules over all of the universe with a power given to Him by the Father. And the disciples here are asking, what in the world does this mean? He, 
We'll see him, then we'll not see him, then we'll see him, then we'll not see him. Uh, This just doesn't make any sense to us. So they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. That's verse 18. Verse 19, Jesus knew they wanted to ask him. I love this. Jesus knew they wanted to ask him, what what do you mean with this? But they were shy or maybe afraid to ask him. And here I remember uh, my college coach, uh, Dean Smith, had a statement. He said all the time to us, uh, he said, gentlemen, um, any questions, a good question, if you don't know the answer to it. Uh, He was trying to say to us that even what may seem like the stupidest of questions is a good question if we don't know the answer to it. And the disciples here should ask this question, even though to them it seems like a kind of stupid question that they don't understand. And Jesus is encouraging them to ask what they want to know. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, is this what you are asking yourselves? What I mean by saying, a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me. Jesus says, are you trying to ask about that statement I just made? He answers his own question, verse 20. Truly, truly, I say to you. Now, remember, we see this throughout the Gospel of John. This is Jesus' way of saying, like a good college coach, hey, listen up. I'm about to tell you something very, very important. So here, Jesus is saying to all of us and his disciples then, hey, listen up. I'm going to say something very important to you. You will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. Now, what he's saying here is after he is arrested, grief's going to overcome them. Then it's, it's around midnight again that he's arrested, goes through a couple of mock trials, is imprisoned for several hours, then taken to Pilate probably around 6 a.m. in the morning. Pilate's expecting him because there was a plot with the Jewish leaders to kill Jesus. He takes him through another kind of mock interrogation, um, has him whipped and flogged for the masses that are gathering who... We're largely gathering because at that time of year, Pilate would release a prisoner and he would do so and they would all cheer because he was usually Jewish and would have a great following. And so Pilate flogs Jesus with 39 lashes, a whip that is matted with bone and glass and metal that rips into the flesh. The the Romans called it intermediate death because it would bring a prisoner so close to death, yet not quite kill them. So Pilate did that to try to satiate the bloodthirstiness of the crowd gathered around to have Jesus killed. He he offered them Jesus after he presented him in all of his beaten estate and said, here, I'll give him to you as the prisoner I'll release this year. And the people cried out, no, give us Barabbas, give us Barabbas. And and Jesus was then placed on the cross at around 9 a.m. in the morning. And over the next six hours from 9 to 3, those around the cross watched Jesus die. And we know that John was at the foot of the cross. We know Mary and some of the other women were at the foot of the cross. And Jesus here says, you're going to lament, cry, and weep when all of this happens. But the world's going to rejoice. The world's going to say, we won. We've gotten rid of this guy. And and it's much like when you have your favorite sports team and you lose the game. You lament over that, but then maybe the worst part is dealing with all of your friends and other people in your sphere of influence who rooted for the team that beat you, and you've got to listen to all of them the next day at the water cooler, chide you and kid you that your favorite team lost. Well, well, Jesus says, you know, you're going to cry 
when I leave you and die on the cross, but it's going to be even worse because the world and all those around you are going to celebrate the fact that I am now dead. You will be sorrowful, but then Jesus says something amazing. But your sorrow will turn into joy. You're going to feel the same deep depression that, that you're presently feeling, but even in greater detail. But, Jesus said, your sorrow will turn to joy. Now, folks, understand that joy and happiness are two different emotions. Happiness has to do with circumstances. When your circumstances are great, you are happy. But joy doesn't have anything to do with circumstances. Joy is an internal slash eternal feeling. It is the reality that God is in control and Jesus lives in your heart. And no matter what the circumstances may be, you have joy. And Jesus says here that in spite of all the pain you're going to see me undergo, your sorrow is going to turn to joy because something extraordinary is going to happen. You're going to see me alive, and the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, is going to enter into your hearts. And for those of you who know your Bibles, you know that where there is the root of the Spirit living in you, there's the fruit of natural emotions, love, joy, peace, patience, etc. Notice that joy is the second natural result of a life rooted in Jesus. He says again, your sorrow will turn into joy. Then Jesus uses an extraordinary illustration that the women who have had children will all understand. He says, when a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So Jesus continued, so also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. So Jesus uses the illustration here of childbirth of how you go from sorrow to joy. Now, obviously I haven't given birth to a child. No man can give birth to a child, but my wife Marilyn has given birth to three children and I've watched her go through the process of giving me and others the enormous joy that a child is on the way, but then watching her belly swell over the next nine months and see her go through all the different things that occur when you are pregnant that aren't necessarily painless. Things like the uncomfortableness of not being able to sleep, especially as the tummy grows bigger and bigger. You can only sleep on your back. You try to sleep on the side and it just doesn't work. Uh, sometimes the pain of the baby inside kicking and moving. And I remember Marilyn on several occasions with our children going, Ooh, ouch. And, and all three of ours were almost 10 pounders. So you can imagine the size inside as they grew getting stronger and stronger by the day, the week, and the month. All kinds of unexpected pangs that would cause, uh-oh, is something wrong here? You know, that Braxton Hicks contraction that makes it seem like the baby's coming, but the baby really isn't coming, and you've got to sit back and just wait and think that nothing wrong is going on. You have all the what-ifs. Uh, is this okay? Is this a problem here? That happened during those nine months as the mama is caring for that little one inside the womb. Uh, you also have the water then breaking, and then the pain that is beginning to become more intense and urgent. You rush 
rushed to the hospital and you set yourself up to be able to deliver that child. And again, the pains become more frequent and more intense. And, and then what do you have? Uh, we, we have a husband. If you went through Lamaze, do they still do Lamaze today? Marilyn and I went through Lamaze training so that I could be there with her in the delivery of our children. And they said, husbands, make sure you get your wife through the birthing process by saying, he, who, over again, he, who, he, who, he, who, he, who. So Meryl and I came up with something ingenious. We just used that to quote 1 John 4, 4, he who lives in me is greater than he who lives in the world. And I did that with Marilyn, and she kept doing that. But probably the worst part was the birthing nurse is sitting there going, push, push, come on now, you can push. And, you know, Marilyn's sitting there looking at me going, you caused all this. You're, you're the, no, no, she didn't do that. But push, and you got to keep pushing. And through the agony of the pain, you keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And, you know, for one of our children, it was a long 24-hour-plus delivery process. And, you know, praise God for epidurals that take the pain away. And more women than one have told me that's great to have as a result in all of this process you're going through. And finally, the, the baby comes into the world. And, you know, Marilyn's just exhausted exhausted after all of that she'd gone through and the final pushing of that baby into the world and she's in there going and then I can remember especially with Bethany after our long wait of infertility when that doctor put Bethany and David and also Michael in her arms all the pain all the fatigue all the tribulations that came with delivering that baby all the sorrow was immediately turned to joy. I immediately, as she welcomed the most precious gift in the world given to her, the life of a new child. And that's the illustration Jesus gives you. You know, push through the sorrow because joy's coming. You're listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Coming up, David joins me in the studio with a conversation reflecting on the good and the hard of this past year. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This is the Ministry Minute, focusing on ministries that have a positive impact on our community. I'm Mark McManus, and with me today is Bart Noonan with West Boulevard Ministry. Bart? Tell us about West Boulevard Ministry. Uh, thank you, Mark, for this opportunity to speak about West Boulevard Ministry and, and more importantly about Jesus Christ. West Boulevard Ministry serves the spiritual and physical needs of the families and the communities within the West Boulevard quarter to the glory of Jesus Christ. Whether we're doing neighborhood outreach cookouts, gatherings where we're bringing people outside of their apartments, their homes, into fellowship with one another, or we're doing Bible study bingo the first Wednesday of every month at Little Rock Apartments. And uh, we gather anywhere from 50 to 70 children that we share the gospel with and we play bingo after our Bible study portion of the night. And a couple weeks ago, there's a young man who we've been walking with now close to three years who came in, he, he forgot something, like a lot of young, young kids do, he forgot something in the um, space, and he came back in and he ended up praying out myself and all the other volunteers for the West Boulevard ministry team that were gathered there for that night and led us all in prayer and closed it out. And this young man, we've been taking to church every every Sunday for about the past year and a half. And, and that's what it's all about. It's about providing an opportunity for Jesus Christ to work inside someone's heart and, and then encourage them along the way. That sounds great. Now, Bart, if any of our listeners want to get in contact with you, how would they do that? 
The best way to do is uh, either email myself at bart at westboulevardministry.org or they can call me straight up in my cell phone and I always answer. I'm sort of like a doctor. The phone's always on and that's 980-298-9027. I would encourage folks too to also go to our website, which is westboulevardministry.org and there you can see some of our photo galleries. You can see some of the blogs and a lot of things we do throughout the West Boulevard Corridor to the glory of Jesus Christ. It is great having you with us today. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mark. I'm Jen Houston. Thanks for listening today. Joining me in the studio is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thank you so much for being with us. It's great being with you as well, Jen. Well, this week we're using this time together to talk about how to reflect well, but to also look forward with hope. So I am curious to hear what your thoughts are for us today. Well, well, here we are. It's December the 30th. Uh, We are just a couple of days away from the new year beginning. And, And really, there's nothing magical about going from December the 31st to January the 1st. I mean, it really is just the the turning of another day in a calendar that's been made up by human beings. But the truth is it symbolizes something as a new year begins that we can look back at this past year, 2021, and say, okay, I've learned ABC from this year, but also look forward to 2022 and say, you know what? I am in need of new grace. Mm. I I need a new, fresh touch from the Lord. So what I want to do today is to talk about a way that you can perhaps receive new grace from the Lord. Well, I would love this, especially as I'm raising a teenage daughter. (laughs) Yeah, that is a challenge. God bless you, Jen. I pray for you regularly. Thank you, David. I receive that. (laughs) Well, I wonder if we should not make a grace list. Mm. You know, I encourage people to make a thanksgiving list for all the things in their past for which they should be thankful. How about a future grace list for 2022? Why not spend some time today and tomorrow before January the 1st and make a list of the places where you need some grace from the Lord, a special healing touch, a special way he can meet your needs list them out very specifically, and then continue to pray for God to bring healing graces to you in those areas. And just see as 2022 progresses, if God has not brought you those healing graces, and then that gives you a chance next year to make a Thanksgiving list. Yes, I like this. (laughs) To be thankful for the ways that God has given you his grace this year. I really like this. And it reminds me of my husband when he was at a crossroads with his career, a mentor of his encouraged him to write out a list of his dream job and what that would entail. And he'd never found the freedom to be able to be completely honest. But you know what? He wrote it out. And here we are several years later, and God has exceeded so many, every single thing, that he made a list. And because of the list, we can now really give honor and praise to the Lord. And that's what this grace list will it's do for exactly us. exactly what it is, Jen. It's a way to increase faith, mm-hmm. uh, but it's also trying to identify areas where you know, I just can't do this. Mm-hmm. It's too big for me. And it's realizing Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen: behold, I am the God of all flesh. Is there anything impossible for me? And of course, the answer rhetorically is no. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. Uh, we see in the Christmas narrative, the angel Gabriel saying to Mary in Luke one thirty-seven, for nothing is impossible with God, even the creation out of a virgin's womb, the savior of the world. So look at your life and see some places where you know it's impossible for you 
but only with God's grace can it happen, and you're asking God to give you a grace gift in 2022 and see if he doesn't answer. Well, I'm going to go home and do this today right now, David, so thank you so much. Yeah, you're going to do it for your teenage daughter, that God give me grace to raise my teenage daughter? Yes, anybody can join us in that prayer. (laughs) Everyone, make your grace list as well, and when you do so, and you know only God can provide that need, and then he does, it makes you love him more, it makes you want to be more thankful, and mostly it makes you depend even more upon His grace every day in your life. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. We'd love to have you join us for worship this Sunday morning. We meet at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte at 10 a.m. You can find more information on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. Again, come join us Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte. Our web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to reflect well as we close out this past year.